Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Push Through Podcast. I'm your host, Keisha Reeves. I'm a mother, wife, daughter, friend, and I'm also a licensed professional counselor here in Atlanta, Georgia, where I have a private practice where I specialize in working with women as well as having a specialty in maternal mental health. Here on the podcast, we'll be discussing womanhood as well as motherhood and learning strategies to navigate this crazy world that we live in. So kick back, relax, and enjoy a quick chat with me. All right. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Push Through Podcast. And I'm super excited to have my next guest on the show, which is Dr. Abrams Ayana. And just to give you a little bit of background about her, she's a clinical psychologist. She's a graduate of Emory. She has a private practice. She's been featured in Essence and New York Times. She's also the co-founder of Not So Strong. Welcome to the show. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me. I'm excited to make it onto an episode. Oh, I know. I'm excited. And the the reason why, so each season I like to do a um, pop culture episode And just to kind of like break it up and make it fun. And some things about pop culture I find interesting, but I've only known Ayana for maybe almost two years now. Yeah. I think maybe. Did we meet last? Yeah, it was the the May before. It was May 2019. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So So we met because um, both of our worlds intersected into maternal mental health. And mm-hmm. that's how we first got introduced to each other. And then from there, when we would meet for lunch, we would just talk hours on end about just random. About yeah, about everything for like hours to the point. I remember one time, I think it was the last lunch, you were like, okay, I got to go meet by Bianca now. And I was like, do you have to? <laughs> <laughs> Right. Um, so and we of course because of the pandemic haven't been able to have as much of a checkup. Um, so I found some topics that are kind of prevalent right now that neither of us have talked about. And some of this goes into the work that we do and some of it is just our personal opinions about things. Um, but first to just open up with the events that happened on Wednesday with the Capitol. Mm. From my perspective, it reminded me similarly, because I was seeing clients all day that day. So I was Uh, kind of late coming to it. And my husband, we have like a big old family group chat with him and um, my siblings and my parents. And he had sent a text saying, are you guys watching this? What's going on? And he was at work. And then my phone is just like going off because they're all talking to each other. And then finally I check it and I pull everything up and watched it. And it was very reminiscent to when I was in high school and 9-11 had happened. And I was Ah. in geometry class and we were supposed to have a test that day. And um, my geometry teacher was just like pacing up and down. The TV was on. She was like, do you guys see what's going on? This is history. Like, this is just insane. And for the rest of this week, the whole week, we didn't really, like, have class. Like, we didn't have, like, work to do. And it was just all about that. But the difference about it 
was that 9-11 was from outside terrorists, was this one was from domestic terrorists, which was mm-hmm. worse, in my opinion. But what were your thoughts and what were you doing? I, I actually hadn't even even thought about, um, I hadn't thought about or hadn't connected this to 9-11, um, I think because of who this was. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so my mind actually didn't even go back there. And I was home on most of us are home on Wednesday. I didn't have, um, I don't think I had any clients on Wednesday. I didn't really start back full time with work until um, until Thursday. So I was watching it like in real time mm. as it was all unfolding and in the moment where they're just like, okay, well, this is happening. They're there. We expected it. You know, that was also a morning that was really big for Georgia. So right. that's what was on my mind. Right. More. Right. Yeah. With still waiting and still kind of trying to confirm Warnock. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's the, that. but Ossoff wasn't fully, fully confirmed right. then. So like I found myself paying attention to that and then kind of witnessing this just seemed like two different worlds and two different experiences. Um, so that that's more of kind of what I, what I remember of kind of moving through the rest of um, Wednesday. And then, you know, as it relates to my research, my work, my clientele, you know, oftentimes, particularly since last year, right, talking a lot about racialized trauma and kind of what it means to see, you know, whiteness or white supremacy in action. So I also wasn't surprised. Right. right? I am looking and watching like, oh, this is what they said they were going to do. Right. Not, we've been leading up to this and like, oh, who didn't believe them? Because most <laughs> of the people I talked to, uh, which again, tend to be a certain demographic, were not totally surprised. There were parts of it that were just like, really? Yeah. Like, oh, that's wild. Like, uh-uh, what? Yeah. But but the, the gist of it was not anything that I felt surprised about. It was just like, oh, okay, all right, well, let's see how far this is about to go. And then you kind of saw that unfold throughout, like, the rest of Wednesday, Thursday, and now kind of where we are um, now with the news and all of that. But, yes, yeah, so I didn't find myself feeling super surprised um i actually didn't even find myself feeling very like worried or scared mm. by it mm-hmm. um but it was just like waiting to see like how far is this going get um and then trying to kind of plug out of the some of the coverage is like uh this is gonna be the same as it is like whatever is gonna happen nothing's changing um and then you were just i was seeing kind of different headlines of now this has happened now this has happened. Now there's a curfew. Now there's a this. So right. um, that it really took over the rest of my Wednesday. It took over um, parts of Thursday for me, parts of Friday. Um, so, I, so I have felt particularly distracted mm-hmm. since this is all happening because there's now so much conversation about it. But it's been interesting to see, um, again, even just the demographic differences in who is saying what mm. about it mm-hmm. um, and just kind of watching so many people be shocked and surprised and upset and disappointed and you know the famous the the familiar phrase with me here like this is not you know america ah uh, yeah yeah but it is and it has it, been it is. since the beginning like, right <laughs> but it is. so it's it was just it was just more of that and just another more evidence of that Right. I felt more so like I I wasn't surprised. I do feel like all of this was a lead up, nor do I think that nothing is necessarily done. Like, I still Mm -hmm. feel like this is just kind of we're still in it. Basically, I had saw this meme once on Instagram and it was like um, 2020 just went in the house, put a wig on and came back out. first few days of 2021 yeah. and a whole bunch of people had 
put so much shift on 2021. Like it can't get right quote, quote, worse than this. Like 2020 has got to come with this. We've got to have this hope and all that stuff. And a few days in, here we yeah. are. Right. I mean, whiteness and supremacy don't care what year it is. No. Don't care what no. day it is. Um, but I know a lot of people have also been really, really anxious um, and trying to balance anxiety with some maybe even relief. Um, kind of leading up to inauguration, like, okay, we just got to get there. We just got to get there. But I think there's also enough of us that are just like, yeah, things going to go down before we get there. Though. I agree. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's going to get worse. And if yeah. I remember telling my husband last night, I was like, I'm, I was super excited that Biden did win, but damn, like what a job that is ahead mm-hmm. of you. <laughs> like it's so mm-hmm. much work because it's all of this in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of so many people out of work and jobs yep. and and not to forget there's still Spanish people locked up in cages. I mean like it's just yes. so much going on. <laughs> and it's like, what a, else can we really fit? Right. Into it? And then we have Wednesday. And we're into, and again again just not having enough hope or faith or trust um, and obviously as we get evidence right that says that there is an accountability. Uh, but now feeling like we're just waiting for what's going to happen next and for what's going to get worse. Right. I agree. I agree. I um, I feel like they should just have the inauguration where it's something that um, they just hold it at the house. And we Virtual. Just... <laughs> Virtual. Virtual. Like, we there just... are no rules to this. Like, yeah. change things up for the safety of people. And now with there being um, a black woman part of this mix, mm-hmm changed things up mm-hmm. like and and I, i'm interested to see kind of what that does look like you know the, the ways in which you know a lot of the a lot of government just kind of sticks to tradition and it has to be this way and we can't let such and such win and all that kind of stuff um but for the safety of the people i can't imagine that this wouldn't be virtual but people have still got trips booked and flying up and doing That's whatever it is like dc is still gonna be packed out that week so i think that is that is still people trying to to use their sense of agency to not feel you know defeated or vulnerable in any right. way that says we're still going to do what we need to do i just we that's a calculated risk though it so. is it is now I, I agree with what you said like that day was such a high and a low day because you know i woke up warnock had won mm-hmm. and it was just like yes Kelly Loeffler and all of her ads are gone. Oh my gosh, the text messages are going to (laughs) stop. The text messages are going to stop. He won. I'm so happy. And then, of course, like hearing that Ossoff won, like at the end, and then just feeling so proud to be a Georgian and hear and how, you know, we turned blue. Like it was just like Georgia just did so much work this year. Although Mm -hmm. we're so wide open in the midst of the pandemic. Yep. At least, like, on the reverse end, like, people got up, got vote, got registered. Did. Yeah, done stuff. And, like, so much has been going on. And Stacy and all of her work, I was just so proud of us. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what should have been on the list around how people are talking about and loving on Stacy when Stacy does something good, but you don't really love the Stacys in your neighborhoods. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, yeah, you don't love the Stacys in your boardrooms and uh the Stacys who are, you know, just a few feet away from you, but you love this Stacy yeah. because she has saved you um yet again. Mm-hmm. Um but in general you don't love Stacy's in terms of her 
um, body composition, in terms of her finances, in terms of her natural hair, (laughs) in terms of her family life. Like, you don't love the gap in her teeth. Like, you don't love Stacey's. You love Stacey Abrams because of how she, what she did for you, um, which is a whole other um, uh, paradox, right? I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see that... um... Who was that? What was that guy? I think he was a coach, football coach at University of Tennessee, yes. Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. Chattanooga. Yes, mm-hmm. and those comments that he made about her, and he was like, yep. you still ain't governor. And then yep. the president of the school <laughs> was like, yep. he has been fired. We do not condone this behavior. Swiftly. Yes. Swiftly. Like, lessons are, again, it's still a real, real slow roll, but lessons are being learned. Like, you, you want to use these public spaces to say mm-hmm. these things? Again, the whole, the... The conversation or the confusion around, you know, freedom of speech does not mean freedom of consequences. Absolutely. So, I'm right. sure, right? He's still super upset. I should be able to say that. I didn't do anything wrong. That's my First Amendment. Da, da, da. That's the mm-hmm. first thing that said um, in defense, uh, particularly of racism, sexism, anti-blackness, any of that. But th- this, that is, those are consequences that need to be happening right yeah. in order for people to take it more seriously we can't fully you know control what people say or what people think or right. what people believe uh, but make it less and less comfortable for them sure right absolutely sure yeah sure which okay. is it what, yeah go ahead i was gonna say even what people are saying you know now since um the sitting president has been you know banned from twitter and now he's off of this and off of this and the the immediate, you know, kind of pushback or comeback is this is censorship and this is scary, guys. I'm like, Twitter ain't yours. It's not yours, and Twitter can do what they want to do. They and like you don't do. own it, and I and I feel like As people need. Yeah, I feel like people forget that you don't own your Instagram. Instagram owns your stuff and what you put on Instagram, and they can do. They can block you. They can yep. do whatever they want to do if they feel like what you put up there is not aligned with the rules and the parameters that they set mm-hmm. forth, then they can get you off. You can create your own app and say whatever you want to say. Yes. <laughs> this is not yours. It's just, it's so interesting, that kind of entitlement. And they root it in like, this is constitutional. I'm like, that's not the constitution. That's not what that means. Yeah, yeah. Like, the constitution states that Twitter, wrong. you can say what you want to say. <laughs> Right. This is a private app. If you want to, you can, again, you can make your own app. You can create your own spaces like folks do anyway. But this is not yours. But again, right. there's this entitlement that says that anything I use is mine. Right. So now somebody tells me that I can't do something with it. Then I get to kind of make all these baseless claims no. that now as a, as a, you know, entity and as a people, we need to worry about censorship. This is not censorship. They didn't right. say you can't say it. They said you can't say it here. Yeah. And I think that people often forget that when the Constitution was written and when people had freedom of speech, these were people who were like walking in the streets, yelling out how they felt. If you had a bullhorn and you wanted to drive around your community and voice, that is the freedom of your voice to speak whatever you want to do, not on a platform that is mm-hmm. owned by another entity. Mm-hmm. And that still doesn't mean that you are free from consequences. Right, Say you still you doesn't. Want. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. you might get dealt with. <laughs> you can say whatever you want. You absolutely can. Philosophically, you know, you know, freedom to terminate, all that stuff. That's absolutely fine. But it doesn't mean that someone else doesn't also have the same exact right, right. that you do to also then say something back. Right, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we see that with, like, all the, the movement to Parlor app and then now... Um, you know, what these companies are doing to shut down the app, which still also feels too late. You let these apps run rampant yeah, for however I long. Know. 
um, inciting hate and violence, but y'all waited until you saw white people doing this stuff mm -hmm. to be like, oh my goodness, this is really violent. When again, non-white people have been telling y'all for years mm -hmm. that this is what ha this is what happens and this is what's about to happen. <laughs> like, right, right. Why are you surprised and dismayed and disgusted? And now you are removing them from inciting violence. They planned this on your app. I agree. And and openly talked about it. Openly like voice what they feel. Openly. Like, no, when you whenever you do hear that, because I do get frustrated and I think that that came about when like the Black Lives Matter mm. resurgence happened like in May. And mm -hmm. you often heard from people who were non-black often saying, oh, I didn't know or let me educate myself, let me read. And you know, immediately anyone would think like, how could you not know? How could you not live here? How could you not see this? This is what America was built off of, um, mm -hmm. is the oppression and, and the abuse and, and all of that that went on. What And then even like with this going on at the Capitol, like, oh my gosh, you know, this is not our America. Like, what do you think of that when hearing those words? Yeah, I mean, I always challenge it. I've been working with a few companies since last year. Um, in terms of understanding anti-racism, understanding anti-blackness, how that kind of um, how that folds into everything, particularly not 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 only globally, but even more specifically, this country um, is formed, is bred on, just kind of runs on. And anytime they say words like shock, surprise, <laughs> disillusioned, disheartened, is they can be disheartened. Um, I say, you know, to, to to sit in. Hey, do you understand that there is a difference between your shock? and choices that you have made subconsciously or consciously to ignore yeah. thing, right? That there's definitely saying like, I'm shocked because I just had no, there was no way this would have come versus you made choices across your life, across your conversations, across your relationships to say that's not true. Right. And that's not shock. That is not shock. You ignored things you ignored. that you were hearing, mm -hmm. right? But also who gets the privilege and the luxury to be shocked? Right. That's white people. Right. There's room for you to be shocked and to mm -hmm. be, you know, appalled <laughs> by this. Mm -hmm. Like, black people have had to be so cautious about this. Mm -hmm. We can't be shocked by that. Mm -hmm. We have been waiting for this and experiencing this already, right? right. So I even, I help them understand that, oh, it's even a privilege to see, to sit here and cry mm -hmm. about this and feel so, and, and begin grieving, you know, the country that you have known and loved so much. Like, right. that is how privilege does show up, that you get to come here this past, you know, week and say, like, I just don't understand what happened. <laughs> I'm so confused. I'm like, yeah. Th this, this is what whiteness and supremacy looks like. This ain't mm -hmm. confusing. Mm -hmm. This is actually really textbook. Right. Right. Because when there is any kind of um, progression or kind of movement um, in terms of rights for people or kind of yeah rights rights for people or kind of entities that are either non-white non-christian non-cis hetero non-male mm -hmm. right we see some type of rage come back yeah. like if you look at any movement across time there's always something that happens right afterwards right. so whether it be nominating trump right whether it be a rally at stone mountain after something like, right whatever it is right, now. right it's always in reaction to something that feels like a loss of power or control or entitlement so like again the the in some ways it, it can feel like a, a a a level of a choice to be surprised because you made choices before that mm-hmm to ignore what was happening and to ignore the data and to ignore 
black and brown voices that have said this has been happening. It's right. now just happened at the Capitol building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But white people have been storming black people's homes, churches, schools, <laughs> stores, like blocks, right. Tulsa, like yeah. this ain't, yeah. this, ain't community. this ain't new. It is horrific, but it ain't new. Right. Right. And I was talking to my boyfriend, uh, yeah, 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 was it yesterday? This morning? No, it must have been yesterday. Um, where, you know, even the, the people who did, you know, storm the Capitol, the in, insurrectionists, the, the seditionists, who are then saying afterwards that this was, you know, nonviolent, this was this. I was just like, y'all was also nasty. Y'all was peeing on the floor. They were. Yeah, y'all that was, was disgusting. And it, it, I mean, like, how could it have not been violent? Like, there's people who... A police officer died, and then <laughs> and then there were all of their within their apps and their posts or whatever them talking about bringing your guns, make sure you have your weapons, and don't bother getting on a plane. We'll pick you up at the border. Can you meet me at this gas station? We'll load you up. Bring all the weapons that you have. How is it nonviolent? How is that nonviolent? But again, because you get to be viewed as nonviolent, you get to be escorted out mm-hmm. of the place safely and gracefully, and mm-hmm. say like, "Hey, just go home." Mm-hmm. Like just go, and you can loot. You can be carrying a whole podium through the lobby. Documents, federal. You're sitting in someone Nancy Pelosi's office. It's her private office, leaving her a threatening message on her desk. Yes. But we yes. can go on and on. But <laughs> that's how I feel about that. So I find myself um, cautiously curious about what will happen. Um, up until the 20th, right after the 20th, a little while after the 20th. Um, and again, we're, we're in Georgia. I know we're in Atlanta, but we're in Georgia. So it's still just kind of keeping your eyes out. Right. Uh, poor stuff. But I'll be in his house. So. <laughs> no, cause we're I know. Because we're playing no games out there with this here state. <laughs> now, I guess this would be a great segue into the next. Um, Soul, Pixar Soul, came mm-hmm. out on Christmas mm-hmm. Day. And... Uh, we watched it with Ezra, who okay. <laughs> kind of checked out 10 minutes okay. in and ended up, you know, doing something else. But me and David was just like tuned in, you know, from start to finish. And I do feel like it was a very complex concept for small children, um, for like four to maybe like eight year old. But then Pixar sometimes tends to do that because Inside Out, even though it was yeah. great, you know, about emotions yep. and, and personalities and core values. It can be a little bit complex as well, but I appreciate it. And Mm -hmm. the good things that I did appreciate about Soul. Now, Soul was Pixar's first African-American movie. And that had been something that hadn't been done, you know, ever. They had Coco, which was about um, the Hispanic Mm -hmm. culture, Mexican culture. Um, And that was a big one. But still, just for, like, African-Americans, that hadn't been done. And even for, like, Disney, there's The Prince and the Frog. And there was that. And then that was that since then. Um, but what I did appreciate it, which is something that I had been just personally thinking about in general was about spirituality and Mm -hmm. purpose and living life with experience, especially as I've gotten older and time has moved faster and your parents are getting older. Mm -hmm. And especially in the midst of the pandemic and even working with clients when people have to grieve a lot and and death is just so prominent and we've lost so many people in Mm -hmm. 2020 just thinking about how to just be so much more present and how to really experience life and not always just be so focused on this goal or career or all of these other things that at the end of the day, did you really like live? I love that. 
I love the cast. I love jazz. I love the music. I loved um, the impact that he even had on his students. And those are the great things. But the other thing, as far as like Black Twitter is concerned, they mm, felt, I'm not on, so help me. <laughs> they felt as if Pixar missed um, the the point of it all. Um, they True. did not like the fact that Tina Fey voiced um, 22 and mm-hmm. even the fact of her embodying um, the main yeah. character um, and how he didn't really have an aha about purpose without her having to be in his body and her having mm-hmm. to experience it and for him to have sacrificed himself for her to then live life here on earth. And some people commented saying they felt like it was another version of Get Out. They didn't feel like it oh, was... No. They didn't feel as if it was necessarily really about black culture because there was a white woman in the body of a black mm-hmm. man for the majority of the film. And they didn't feel as if their representation of the afterlife was multicultural. It was more so of a bureaucracy, I think that they mm-hmm. said. It was pretty intellectualized. Very intellectualized. <laughs> and how uh, how it could have been a film that was so enriching about black culture and jazz and black family and all of that, the love that he had, the loss of his father, his relationship with his mother, um, his impact on his students and all of that was kind of missed and the focus seemed so much more pivoted towards 22 and what she could have gotten basically off of him and this in her and this journey together. Um, mm-hmm. But you said you watched it last night, so you fresh off of new I eyes. <laughs> what were your I, thoughts? And I think, yeah, I think maybe because I didn't, I didn't go into the movie, and I didn't, and I purposely also didn't look at any um, commentary because um, I wanted to be clear for this. I didn't go into into the movie viewing it as a black movie or a movie that would kind of have any depths of like black culture. I'd appreciate the music. I appreciated. Um, him. So I think, yeah, that because I wasn't looking for it to be more than that, and I don't know if that's because of just how I view Pixar, or I don't tend to watch cartoons, like that, so I, I actually just wasn't in kind of the full frame um, to be looking for more, that mm-hmm. it felt fine for me in terms of the message. Um, I might also be biased because I like Tina Fey, and, <sighs> and I just, I also, I, was like, oh, I like Tina Fey too, I like Tina Fey too. Yeah, Um, and it did have aspects that felt salient to black culture in terms of the music, in terms of conversation, the dynamics with his mom, what he was kind of worried about. She's going to say it again. I'm worried about this and um, him being in the barbershop. Yeah, I love the barbershop scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, So so those moments felt appreciated. So I didn't find myself like looking for this to be more and deeper. Um, It didn't really feel like a kid's flick Mm -mm, to me. Not at all. Um, I think just in terms of the the character shapes and, you know, that they're a little bit like glow in the dark and stuff. I think it could have it could have held maybe a a older child's attention for a bit longer than my nieces um, watched it. But I don't think they would have understand the depths of the purpose parts of it right. without having conversation with whoever's watching it with them right to be able to kind of pull that out and like really apply it in a more um age appropriate right. way but i think because it had a talking cat and like that's yeah stuff, i think yeah. it could hold some, some children's um uh, it could hold some children's attention in that way um i am also not super spiritual so it was it was interesting for for it to also even hold my attention mm. right in that way in terms of um 
the great beyond and kind of like convert those kind of nuanced conversations about like afterlife yeah right and then the great before so the, the the part that i felt more interested in was not the great beyond part but um when they were talking more about how personalities are constructed yeah. Yeah. and defined and like these different parts and all the things that go into that that's my i was able to kind of nerd out a little bit on that um but i did wonder at some points about and i i, I wondered without feeling upset about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wondered about how how he was filling out just his life. It showed him kind of with family, but uh, we didn't hear much about other kinds of relationships for him. So I was like, oh, well, right. is he a, how much of a loner is he? Um, he plays this mentorship role with children, which is really common. Yeah. Um, so I liked that they also offered a um, a black man in that role yeah. of mentorship. I agree. And a black man in that role of that kind of, you know, kind of gentle authority to the, to the school. Yes, right. Um, and I appreciate that a little bit, even with, um, even with twenty two. But I, I was kind of, I was taken aback at the beginning by like, like, oh, this, uh, she's in his body. Yes, yeah. <laughs> this ain't him. And and there was a fine bond to have between them. Um, it was just a twist that I hadn't prepared for because I hadn't read up on right. Um, so I think it was fine for what it was, and I think that there are things that anybody can pull out of it and apply to your children or even apply to your own life. Um, but I didn't, I, I didn't take it in as something that had like this really, really deep message. So it was cool to see. Right. I yeah. often think that sometimes like I go back and forth, I appreciated the critique of it to be able to see like, Oh, okay. Because so easily they could have had Tiffany Haddish just 22 yeah. or they mm-hmm. could have had um, Wanda Sykes or somebody mm-hmm. who could have been 22, but for them to, you know, out of a whole black cast, because they had Angela Bassett, they had um, what is who her Who played name? the? Yeah, Claire, Claire, whoever played Felicia Conley. Rashad, Jamie Fox, yep. um, uh, Questlove. They had all of those, and yep. then they had Tina Fey. So it mm-hmm. was kind of like, hmm. But on the flip side, sometimes I do think some things don't necessarily have to be as critical. Like it couldn't. It, some things can just be like it is what it is. I remember when. <laughs> Beyonce had came out with Lemonade and there was this whole Mm -hmm. thing about criticizing her because she didn't have enough women who were plus size in her Ah, video. Yes, I remember that. And it was like, well, my God, like she she covered so much and y'all found this one little thing. I know. There's there's not going to be anything that hits all of Mm -hmm. the marks. It's just, just by, by default of how much time people have money, like all that stuff. There's not going to be anything that hits everything mm-hmm. um and what do we do when that feels like a miss and sometimes i do think that the that some of these commentaries some of these think pieces go think piece about everything go too far right um, versus being able to be present with what was there and it didn't feel like there were any um parts of it that um bred any like negative stereotypes of black culture i think i might have had a different reaction if, if that had shown right. up versus I agree. these are the aspects that did show up and we are okay right with that but we're not going to get the all the fullest aspects of his life in this movie. It's an hour and 49 minutes. So like, what so much they going to do? Is it a step as they kind of continue to develop kind of characters and maybe make a sequel or whatever that might look like? Yeah. Great. Um, is it a late step? Yes. We can absolutely acknowledge that Pixar, y'all been in place. Uh, so there's still always kind of work to be done. But even when we get more, it's not going to be the totality of all the different identities that we have right. right it's not going to be something someone who is 
you know, a you know Caribbean person who has this kind of relationship, either romantically, or is he going to be, you know, same sex, or is he going to identify as like all right. the things are not going to be in there all of the time. Um, so I am, I am okay with this as Pixar's step. I agree. I agree. So, um, something I'm that you you and have, I will watch it again. I'll watch I will watch again. it again watch too. Jangle again, like yeah, I will watch it again too. I I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Um, but I didn't think Wonder Woman was great. I thought Wonder Woman was horrible. <laughs> Both of them I came out. I did not watch too much of the super, superhero stuff, uh, so uh-huh. I got no clue anything about Wonder Woman. I don't know what. You ain't um, missing it. <laughs> <laughs> now, something that you did, and I looked this up as we were talking about what we wanted to talk about today. Um, you brought up, I don't know how to say her name. Is it Hilaria? Hilaria, what is it? Is it Hilaria? I've been saying Hilaria. It might be Hilaria Baldwin. (laughs) Now I looked it up. Now people are upset because she allegedly has been posing as a Spanish person. Is this right? Yes, she's been (laughs) been posing as being much more as yes as having a deeper and a closer Spanish heritage than she actually does now is this similar Uh, to you remember when elizabeth warren was running for president and mm -hmm. she kept saying that she was part native american and then people were like no you ain't native american she was like yes i am native american and then there was this whole thing about oh she lying saying she's from native american and then that was people's feelings against her is this similar to that or different it it feels similar to that to, to to different um to different degrees. It's similar in the, the way I view it as, as similar is in the, um, the on a macro level, right? What does it mean for people to begin denying whiteness, right? Because there's something that feels like they gain some kind of social capital in some way uh, um, by feeling more connected to something like that is relatable. diverse or non-white. Right. Yeah, so when you have people who say, and again, it's a, it's a way to distance, right, themselves. And what we typically would see historically is trying to distance yourself from um, blackness, right, or from communities of color by saying like, oh, I'm this or this or this, I got, you know, Indian, I got whatever it might Mm -hmm. be. But now we are seeing more of these implications of um, people who are white trying to offer that, no, I'm more diverse than that. I'm not boring. I'm not this. I'm not this. I've got this kind of heritage. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not just this white girl Mm -hmm. or this white woman. Um, I've got this. And and that actually translates over into um, Mia Ponsetto, kind of once we get there. But, like, for her to say, like, yeah, yeah, I'm not this. I'm Puerto Rican and Vietnamese. Like, Mm -hmm. there is this way in which to try to kind of differentiate themselves from the whiteness. Um, What happened with Hillary feels a little bit different than Elizabeth Warren is that... (coughs) (laughs) Um, is that she went as far as to put on accents. No! (laughs) No, she did that! No, I didn't see that! Hillary Baldwin, if you want to do it now, Hillary Baldwin, like the Today Show or Good Morning America, she put on an accent and she pretended to not know the English word for cucumber. No! This is the problem, right? And what (laughs) what was understood is that she has said that, you know, she moved over here from the south of Spain when she was 19 because she wanted to go to NYU, but come to find out she's born and raised in Boston and four generations of whiteness in Boston um, connected to 
Spain. Family would vacation there. She might. I'm not even denying because I don't know what. Right, so she's like a yeah. Rachel Dolls all then. He, in a in a in a way, not as far as that, because Rachel Dolls okay. was also now taking resources from Black people, mm. right? In terms of kind of what she was doing, kind of how she was um, uh, navigating things. But similarly, and and, and Rachel Dolls was also saying that she's saying that she is Black and like transracial, like kind of whatever. It is. This felt different in terms of um, again what she what she was offered. Um, again, in terms of like social status by being a Spanish woman mm-hmm. in Hollywood or being kind of a, a Spanish um, wife or being bilingual or whichever it is. But it was just the ways in which she would go go about doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, children having um, Spanish names. Um, and again, the lies. The, yeah. You saying that I moved here when I was 19, but there are people coming out the city. I went to high school with her in wow. Boston. Like I went like that's her house. In Boston, (laughs) her parents are professors and they live in Spain now. But like, she's from here, right? And when you saw interviews from her parents, they say like, "Oh yeah, my dad was born." Like her grandparents are born in Boston. Like it's a whole thing. And what's what's even more problematic for me about it is not only kind of the putting on of the language is in when she is now held accountable to it. The defenses, right? I saw that gaslighting, right? That says you guys are making a big deal. People can be different. Um, just because you don't recognize that, you know, people can be from Spain and not look the way or sound the way you that's want not what's to get been, to tell me. Yeah. That's not what's happening. <laughs> that's the part that makes me even more upset. If you are called out and then you're just like, dang, right? But it's the denial of that and the defensiveness of that and having all your family come forward and say this and this and this, that is more of the problem. That right. she then puts it on reporters. Um, when again, her website said that she was born in Spain. She has done interviews that says she was born in Spain, like, but what she has now defended is saying that, you know, reporters say what they want to say. They take these little snippets and make up whatever they want versus being able to tell the truth and take the responsibility that you have been lying about this. Whether or not you lied to your husband, like, I don't know. Right. Now, I've always kind of been curious about her. Um, I didn't know anything about her before two weeks ago. I knew about her because she's on her Instagram, I don't follow her, but just having seen her. Yeah, the maternity world. Yes. Because she has, how many kids? Five. Yeah, five kids. Mm -hmm. She suffered a miscarriage, I think, before this last pregnancy that she had. Mm -hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong. Connected the miscarriage and announced it in like an ad that she was doing to sell. Yeah. Yes. Um, So that's how I've known of her, and I have wondered if she was okay um Mm -hmm. and just kind of like i don't know and then like for alec on top of like his kids with her he has other children from the previous Mm -hmm. marriage right so he should be like over 10 if not 10 kids or so um total wise um so i just yeah and like how she talks about it and not that there's anything wrong with anyone who wants to have a large family you know totally fine i get it but it was almost somewhat kind of similar to like Kiki Wyatt. Ah, okay. And that's that is what I've heard people kind of talk about. And it it was hard for me to differentiate whether um, some of the the flack that was coming her way was related to kind of a thin shaming because her body still looks a certain way. Yeah. She's still like and again a, a very seemingly kind of you know thin white woman's way of being able to be in the world and exist and just love parenting so much right. and, be, and seemingly kind of just so really into or even obsessive about having kids and i love being pregnant um and that could be hard to watch if you had a really hard time 
Right. With pregnancy. That right. can be really hard to watch Very if triggering. you have experienced loss. Yeah. That can be really hard to watch if you um, have experienced loss of identity, body type, like all of those things. And mm-hmm. then you see her, right? right? Be fine and doing it perfectly and doing it so well. So, but I couldn't tell because I haven't been following her story. Right how much of the feedback I was hearing about her was related to that kind of sensitivity or whether there's like, y'all, there's a real problem. Right. Because I do think that sometimes some women who, not all, but some, who consistently have several back-to-back pregnancies and there Mm -hmm. has like some sort of like fixation with being pregnant and having children, Mm -hmm. that there's a different, there's a root issue that's going on there. That's a very real thing. Right. And what that means and what that's going on and what these pregnancies are doing for you that could be in an unhealthy way. And Mm -hmm. that's why I was kind of like thinking. And then like now attached with this, she's speaking Spanish and she ain't I from Spain. I cannot wait for you to see that clip. And if you just even type in really quickly, like what her real name is or what her original, like Hillary, it's something so. Right. It's not even Hil- Hillary. <laughs> That's it's not her name. H I L L A R Y. Oh. Her wow. name in her yearbook is Hillary. Oh, wow. And her defense was that, you know, my, my family is Spanish, so they call me Ilaria. That's what it all was, like Eladia versus like, and her the people who went to school with her, like, yeah, her name was like Hillary Badensworth, like, oh. something. <laughs> Hillary Hayworth, something, something. Like it was, just, it's so far from the identity that she has stepped into, and that's what, um, outside of kind of how entertaining um, this kind of might feel, that that worries me that she has shape-shifted in a way that yeah. there's been this compartmentalization I, I don't know how much of that is related to um the life that she thinks she or who she has to be for her husband to da, da, da. Right, there's some right. whole other kind of rumor that he had a crush on spanish women so that was her mm. way to get like all all whatever stuff that absolutely is all speculation um but at the same time there is something that feels really unhealthy about her denying her truth. Right. That is get, very much get so. get to be a white girl. Yeah. You get to be a white girl from Boston. Like, hey, this actually makes it worse. Like, right. like, you get, and there was nothing wrong with that. But for her, it was something that was inadequate. And that's what actually makes me a little bit more worried. Yeah. Uh, about her. Have I been following her being dragged for filth? Yes. <laughs> I'm okay. That because you have a whole bunch of stories just straight up lying to people. So you yeah. can, this is what accountability looks like. Um, Consequences. So, and I'm glad that her PR team has taken her off the internet for a while. She's not posting. She's not doing whichever stuff. But um, it'll be interesting to see what comes of this. I think she's losing some endorsements. Also, like this, these, there are consequences, consequences for lying to people. People right. feel harmed by you. Yeah. People feel taken advantage of you. You have sold them. Um, this picture and this life um, that has been, that is false. Yeah. So yeah. we will see what the fallout. Now, speaking is. of like uh, of Spanish or whatever yep. background. So with Maya, that's how you say it? Maya Pinsetta? I think it's Mia Pinsetta. Okay. Um, so she was, very, with her interview with Gail King, I oh. felt very uh, <laughs> riled up. <laughs> As Gail was trying to explain to her the the seriousness of her behavior yeah. and her actions and what that caused and what she did and um, how her voice had, you know, just created all of this type of chaos. And for her to kind of just like dismiss Gail 
in that interview, mm-hmm. it, it was just like I, I, I couldn't even take it. And, and, and it makes sense for her to behave that way on national television. Yeah. And that's how she behaves with jumping on a child. And she's yeah. a grown woman. She was trying to say like, oh, I'm only 22 or 21. Mm-hmm. Or da, da, da. You grown. And this was a teenage boy. Yeah, you're an adult. And you accused him. And it was your fault. You left the phone. Instead of attacking somebody in, in any type of way, there's a way to handle situations. But you and your whatever cho- mm-hmm. chose to do it in that way. And that was just very upsetting for me. <laughs> it, I, I don't know anybody who didn't feel so offended in mm-hmm. watching. And I, and I believe there's more. Gail said that um, the, the entire interview will be released tomorrow. Mm. That was just a few minutes um, of it. But what is striking, not surprising, but still kind of striking just to see is... One, the adultification of the 14-year-old, mm-hmm. right? That she wouldn't even name him as a child, Yeah, right? She, she said, she's like, you know, I'm a girl, and there's this guy who I think, no, he is a child. He's he is 14 a child. years old, right? But she's also now trying to, to flip the script and not adultify herself. I'm just a girl. I'm just 22. I also now got to be scared and alone in New York and not with the, the, the one thing that I needed to kind of get around and to do all the stuff. It's not the one thing that you needed because you made it back to that hotel without your phone. <laughs> right, right. You, you've been able to kind of maneuver and kind of navigate stuff without the thing. But again, the the audacity and the allowance that she gets to be a little girl, yeah. right, after she has attacked a 14-year-old boy, that she will wear a, a hat that says, Daddy, Mm. In an interview, mm. in a national, international interview mm. with the Gail King. Right. You're going to come up on here like this. Even just her walking around in her leggings and her Birkins, right, just says the amount of privilege. And, it, and what was also interesting, you know, is that people have been assuming that she's white. People have just been assuming, right, that um, because of her, her complexion and because she engaged in, quote, unquote, the Karen-ing behaviors. Yeah, the uh, Karen life behaviors. Anybody can be a Karen. <laughs> that she's white. And she was quick to say, I'm Puerto Rican. And now we know that she's Puerto Rican and Vietnamese, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, there um, there's a difference between ethnicity and um, uh, race. I don't know if she identifies as Caucasian, if she identifies as Latina or Asian. Like, I actually don't even know kind of that part of it. But... Um, again, for her, there was this like denial that there's no way that you guys can compare me to that because I'm Vietnamese and Puerto Rican. Like I'm not a, I'm not a white girl. I'm not a white girl. Mm. Right. And it's the one anti-blackness. Anybody can engage in that. That's not only reserved for white people or Karens. Um, and the Latinx community and the Asian community has a high high rate of anti-blackness yeah. like so you saying that you puerto rican don't make you anti-black right like, y'all still treat us right the way in which you treated him um but even when the story had first kind of broken and they said you know there was there was already this entitlement that was there that she was in the hotel lobby asking people to show them her phone like it wasn't it wasn't just him i think she only got physical with, with him. him. Um, I think that also kind of speaks to the differences. But for you to lose something and your first thing to begin doing is accusing people. Right. That wouldn't even be my first thought. Wouldn't even be my right. first thought that somebody has done something to me. Right. right? But that's the entitlement. That's the mm-hmm. ownership of the space. Right. And something has happened that I don't like in this space. So you must have done it. So right. I'm going to ask all y'all. She, what did she say? That it just made sense that everybody on their way out would have been, you know, the most likely candidate yeah, for stealing my phone. Yeah. Girl, what? Right. But you know, sometimes I feel like I don't even like giving 
people like that the platform to be interviewed. Like, I don't feel, I don't understand. I didn't that interview No, I don't know. Like, what is the necessity of me hearing what she has to say? And I felt that, how I felt when hearing her was the same way I felt. And I didn't even watch it. I just saw, like, clips of when Olivia Jade was on Red Table Talk. Oh, I didn't watch that. But, yep, I didn't watch that. And she had said that from this experience, and I don't, I'm not quoting her, but from what I fragmented <laughs> processed was mm-hmm. that she felt similar to how black people felt um, based off of how she felt from the whole college scandal. Girl. And and um Jada's mother was just so like I can't I can't. That's what I heard. <laughs> to watch it because apparently was yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then and, and at the same time it made me think what was the point of having Olivia Jade on Red Tabletops? Why do we need to hear her response? If anything, it's just giving her an opportunity to reel back in her fan base so that she can start yeah. getting sponsorships again for her YouTube channel. Yeah. But other than that, she's still a very oblivious, privileged girl whose yep. parents paid for her to go into school when she didn't even want to go. Yep. That that right and after probably us talking about Red Table Talk will lead into us talking about um the other show. But it has it had just become a platform for people who have engaged in inappropriate behavior yeah. to talk and kind of salvage them in some way. Um and the I don't know what role Jada thinks that she played like within it, but I could be the one to kind of talk to them and really kind of help them see. But that's that who are you? To, to, to do any of that. And you oftentimes don't do that with them. So you give Snoop this platform yeah. right, to continue to be anti-black and anti-women. You would give T.I. this platform to continue to be T.I., right, and continue <laughs> to see the misogyny and kind of misogyny and have Tiny pulled into it. Like, you continue to do this. And then my other thought was that if you were going to bring Olivia Jade on there, because this is mother-daughter stuff, wait until her mother gets out. Bring right. that conversation in the room. Because what I right. would be more interested is um, in the dynamics of what you believe you are teaching your daughter by doing this. I'm right. very, very interested in that piece and holding their feet to the fire about that. Not even talking about scandal, this and this, and how'd you do in jail and how was it? Because I think that's the part that would happen, yeah. which is why I probably wouldn't watch the episode. But I want to hear about the mother-daughter dynamic. Right. What was going on with you internally to you, Aunt Becky? in your relationship with your daughter where that is what you felt the need to do what's the kind of parenting scope what's the gender piece like what's the whiteness of that all that's the conversation i actually would be really interested in but to have olivia on there depending the the, defending or yeah talking about whether she colluded or not with it pointless right i agree yeah i don't get it and i guess me about the mahong people mahong women mahjong mahjong Look at me. Look at me. Now, I looked it up, and I know that this is... Okay, so this is something that already exists within the Asian culture, and there yeah, are a group it's of... It's a game that's been there for years and years and years and decades and generations, and yeah. And there are a group of white women in America who have, like, uh, rebranded it, redesigned the look of it um, aesthetically, mm-hmm. the way that they see is more fitting. Is that right? Yeah, fitting of their lives. <laughs> fitting of their lives. Right, so Mahjong has been um, has been this game. What was that movie that came out years ago when we were kids? Um, it was a really beautiful movie about Asian culture, kind of Asian women in their culture. Um, it was a book and a movie, Joy Luck Club. Oh, Joy Luck Club, Joy Luck yeah, Club. yeah. Yeah. Um, so paying homage, right, paying, paying that kind of respect to the culture by naming it, right, by kind of putting faces to it, right? So it's, it's that same thing. Um, 
this is a game that's been around for centuries and these white women um were playing the game or kind of care i think they were playing the game but recognized that it didn't fit their lives so they wanted to recreate the game and they wanted to refresh it was in the language they wanted to refresh it um because it didn't reflect how she and her friends lived their lives then why not create your own game make your own game then Make your own game. <laughs> Don't call it. And what's the, the what's the? It's called mahjong. The mahjong line. Mm. Make a whole new game that fits your life, your whiteness, your this, your this, your this, your this. Versus recreating this game and calling it a refresh mm. because they said that it also needed a refresh. That's the other piece. So it's not just about hey, we see this and we want to create something different. Da, 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 da. But they said that this game needed a refresh because when I play it. I don't see myself in it. Mm. It's not for you to see yourself in it. Right? It's for you to play the game to kind of understand that for you to even get, you know, more acclimated, right, to Asian, to Chinese culture. That's that's what you can do with it. But to see this thing as something that needs to be reflective of me and that to feel entitled enough to recreate it and then put on my website that it needed a refresh, that can't get more white. (laughs) Not get more white then on top of that so it was like they had the game needed a refresh um and then how much they were charging for the game i think the game said it was like four hundred dollars four hundred dollars yes it's between 300 and 450 this game oh my goodness mm-hmm. but they redid it with like bubbles and like bags like that's the kind of stuff they, that is the they call it the caucasity right <laughs> of it all Right. To go in and say that because this is non-white, cis, hetero, you know, female woman, right, that this needs a revamp. It's missing something. And that's the part that feels just just the disrespect. Like, I can't it just feels so remarkably disrespectful to tell to have a cultural artifact and to buy this cultural artifact. You chose this game to buy this cultural artifact and say it's not enough for you. Wow. And that we're gonna redo it and repurpose it and sell it and not even mention Asian culture, nan nowhere on the site. Not nowhere in any of their branding, any of their partnerships. So making hella money, but not paying respects to where this thing came from because it wasn't your idea. That's That's the issue that we see kind of in all these spaces, right, where something that is lesser known, you get to rebrand it right, and then right. charge all this money and become millionaires. Right, right. Off right. of stuff like that. Right? Now, when you couldn't even tell some history of it. it. This would be similar. This is the definition of cultural appropriation, right? Yep. Now, do you feel like this has some similarity? As you were talking, it reminded me of. Remember when Gwen Stefani had her yeah hollaback girl and she had her harajuku yeah do you feel like that's similar or different it's similar what i can't i I can't say it's fully similar because i can't remember if um when stefani offered any any cultural basis for why she was including them in her video or kind of in in any parts of it right that would change it for me there's a way in which, hey, I include them in this way because I wanted to offer this or this or this or this. I wanted to amplify the culture. I wanted to do it because I understand that I'm a white woman doing this. I don't think I heard any of that, which is mm-hmm. what the problem was. This is not about I can't do anything having to do with anything that's non-white. That's that's oftentimes the um, defensiveness. But if you are going to do that, tell the whole story. Right. 
tell the whole story of, of why you are using these women in this way in your video? And is it just because of the ways in which we view Asian women, right? Or is there something kind of deeper in there that still feels respectful of their culture and of their bodies and of the, the right, uh, whatever it is, so whether that be Harajuku girls or geisha girls or whatever it is. Are you honoring the history right. of this or are you just kind of handpicking it? Oh yeah, because I just want some Asians. Right. And he, like that's the part of it where it's like, you don't just get to pick up and put down my culture. <laughs> <laughs> that makes you a multimillionaire. Yeah. Right. So if you're going to use Harajuku culture in this, are you giving them any money? Right. right. Are they only getting money for dancing? Or are you contributing, right, to any Asian or Asian American causes? Like that is the that's the line. Right. Right. And oftentimes it. when these things happen, they they keep all the money. Yeah. Right. But this thing is like the face of it. So everybody right. remembers how a Batgirl and they love the song, but they loved the, you know, the kind of Asian, I don't want to call them kind of Muppets, but the way in which they're used as props. Right. right. So culture is being used as props in this way. That is more what the issue is, because then it still kind of elevates the elevates white people to more money status whatever it is so like i said because i don't remember um what gwen said in response to that if there was like you know responsibility taken or whatever it was then i can't say how similar it is because um, i feel like she's done that like that. she's done that like a couple of times remember when she first came out with no doubt she used to wear i don't know what you call it I'm going to have to research the name you know in indian culture they wear the dot mm -hmm. on their forehead he did used to do that and it was for indian culture it's to signify your relationship status if i i think something like that yeah i don't know the full history but now i'm thinking about even even how gwen was when she first started out yep so she did that so then when she went solo she had that whole album was i can't even say the name harajuku girls and mm -hmm. even when she came out with her lamb collection, it was somewhat similar to like Hello Kitty uh -huh. a little bit. Okay. Um, so, you know, she kind of like dips and dabs a little here mm -hmm. and there. And it and is it, like how, it down. yeah, it's like, um, like an accessory, you know, yeah. um, yeah. and versus like what you were saying, like paying homage or honoring a culture and mm -hmm. for how you just think so highly of it and you want to give it a little bit more representation and put it on a, yep. a bigger you platform. You recognize, right. you recognize your platform right, and kind of yes. who you are and kind of how you are socially located in the world, right? And you also recognize how they are viewed and valued and you want to offer some kind of amplification. That Cool, that's totally, that is totally, totally different. This, this ain't that. They had, these women didn't have anything about Asian culture and now they've taken down all of their stuff and only put their statement up and... Only put it's the same thing, same thing oh, when gosh. you know you have Ugh. white artists who kind of dip into R&B culture or rap culture really quickly until mm -hmm. it no longer serves them. Mm -hmm. Justin Timberlake dipped in and then went back to the wilderness <laughs> and did whatever he started doing again two years ago because he's from like Kentucky or Tennessee. Yeah, but he he had put down the blackness, mm -hmm. right? Miley Cyrus did it, mm -hmm. right? When she could get with you know Mike Will made it and do all this stuff, but then it was just like no, I got to get back to my life, y'all. Mm -hmm. I can't be doing this anymore. It's just it's so degrading to women. But then you put it down because mm -hmm. now you were done with it. Now you wanted to be a white girl again and get back with Liam, like girl, <laughs> get back with Liam. <laughs> like, I can't. It's, it's so much. It's so much. It's so much. Okay, so we have two more topics left. Um, I know you're not on the Clubhouse app. I just yep. downloaded it last week, but I'm not um, active on it. I just wanted to check it out and see what it was. Uh, 
because there okay. was someone who is a doula who invited me to join it because she was talking about how the maternal space is on there. And so I kind of like wow. browsed around, listened a little bit. And you, you can search for rooms like you could you could type in maternal uh-huh. and the whole bunch of things. Okay. Uh-huh. okay. A list of um, people who do or even like people who are working that type of space or speak on that type okay. of space based off of like what they have in their bio, what their interests are. Um, and okay. what I noticed about it, which is similar to what I kind of think about social media in general. So I have a love-hate relationship with social media. I've been seeing you show up a little bit more. I, I said in 2021, I am. Um, but the reason why I do, I feel like I look at social media as just for what it is, as just a tool to connect with people um, or if there's people who inspire me or their work that I really like, if they have... Um, things that they say or even just like workshops or anything that I want to follow and keep up with them more closely than if they would have put it on their website or whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, I like it in that regard or even it's a great marketing tool to be Mm -hmm. able to Mm -hmm. promote something that you're doing. Um, But when it is about people using it for their self game or for them feeling as if they are I don't want to say more important than what they are, but for them to use it and feel like an authority figure in a certain realm more so than they have the credentials to back it up. Um, Mm -hmm. I have an issue with that. Aside from how people like look at like followers or likes, you know, giving them some sort of like gratification and and that's a whole other thing. Um, And I noticed that that's just a trend of like people just do that. Like people can go to one seminar and then deem themselves as a brand expert or let me be a a strategist on how I can get you to make six figures and and they themselves become a guru. Yeah. And become a guru and they themselves have their own stuff, you know, that Mm -hmm. they would not be an expert. And, and I know that. And I also know that even just for me, in certain situations, um, and I, you and I had talked about this before in the past, how we live in a culture where people like to gravitate to folks who have a larger following mm-hmm. versus yeah. people who may have the expertise. And I have not been selected for certain situations, not because um, I have an actual certification in perinatal mental health or I have you know, all of the experiences that I've done in maternal mental health. Um, but somebody who is a mother who may have 280,000 followers mm-hmm. will be selected mm-hmm. over me who doesn't, <laughs> but because they and have we, the followers. I mean, we've been looked over for stuff we've all <laughs> together, right? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I notice about those rooms um, that it's kind of like the same trend where it's someone who deems themselves whatever type of expert and they have these followings and they'll have all of these, you know, conversations and people will think, you know, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And it's no slight to them. Whatever people want to get on, they can get on it. But it's just so interesting to step back and just look at the culture that we live in as a society and what we what we think is um, a gym. Mm-hmm. Those are yep. my thoughts. It's, I have many, many different things. So one, so I'm not on Clubhouse because I am Android. Um, but even when I thought I could get on Clubhouse, I wasn't, I didn't want to be on Clubhouse. Um, because of what I was seeing and hearing, so so multiple things. So one was, I was like, well, who's on there? Like, what are they 
talking about and see more about the seven figure money mindset. Mm-hmm. This is how you do this. This is how da 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 da. And see kind of the same people, I guess, holding or kind of hosting the rooms. Um, and that didn't feel interesting to me. That felt like what it's, it just felt like another avenue to do the same mm-hmm. thing, right? To kind of poach or like take advantage of people and call yourself a coach. And the way you're making your money is only from these people, not because you already made your money elsewhere. And now this is just something that you're offering on top of that. Right. Versus like, hey, the only way I'm making money is by telling y'all how to make money. Um, So it seemed like more like that. Then I actually I saw a lot more um, mental health people in the space. Um, I always tend to get rubbed a different way, but like the exclusivity of things, mm-hmm. like you have to get an invite. Mm. It's only one, this is this. Like I always, I would always tend to be the one who does that. Like, I'm gonna just wait until y'all all just get used to it. And then like, I'll take a peek. Um, because and I, and I recognize that the draw of apps that have that kind of exclusivity is that people want in. That is right. how we are. We have been socialized to kind of to want what seems really kind of shiny and new and not everybody can have it. So like I can be on this thing. Um, that's how I felt about like the league, that dating app. That oh, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. You know, where, like, right. you can you gotta wait six months to get in and like all this kind of stuff. <laughs> I'm usually not I'm like, OK, all right. Um, and I also and the other piece that I could appreciate about it was like, hey, I recognize that there are a lot of people who do have expertise who feel like underdogs. And because I can't access this or this or this, this could be a space to share who I am, what I like, to connect with other clinicians, to kind of to to create more access to health information about I was thinking about mental health. I'm all fine for more access. What became tricky, um, I'm seeing rooms that are that are like hosted by like 15 people. I'm like, okay, y'all, why are y'all all wait a minute, there's like 15 people <laughs> being at the head of the room? Like what is what is this about? Yeah. Um, and it's something I've also noticed that I've talked to my friends um, here about is that it's this thing where people assume that going to the panel, listening to the conversation is the work. Mm, they assume that like I that agree. is you doing the thing. I'm just like, you can come to all of my speaking engagements. Right. And that's not it. That's not what it is, but it just becomes another way in which you think you are doing something. And then you get to say, well, I am this now, or I am this now, or I know this now because you keep hearing people talk about it. That don't got nothing to do with you right so when i so sometimes i'll see that there are a whole bunch of, and i love people supporting kind of like getting mental health information um but i think that there again is this kind of fine line between it being really performative right where you are listening and talking and listening and talking and listening and talking and ain't shit ain't i'm sorry nothing has changed <laughs> you are just listening and talking and going to all the panels and going to all the conversations and being on the clubhouse app for hours and you know this thing was six hours and i wrote down i got all the gems right. and then you put that paper down Right, right. You didn't really do anything. I had my notebook for any time that, did, and I write all this, but then you put your notebook down. Right. Because that's not the work. Unless yeah. you're going to go over here and really kind of tap into some of that stuff and actually get like real time support in your life for this stuff, stop going to these panels. I know. Just like stop, stop, right. stop, stop. So they, they just, they feel like it's own, it just feels like another mode uh, or another opportunity for procrastination yeah. of the stuff yeah. you're either telling yourself or telling the people that yes I'm doing it right. yes I'm doing it that's why I'm I love here. I love Joy's disclaimer on therapy for black girls this is not to take the place of going to actual therapy mm-hmm. <laughs> you, still, you can listen but you still should get an yep. appointment with this the therapist this ain't the work yeah, this, this is not the, the work. work I hope that it offers you a way into your work right this is not the work and when right. people get really kind of pulled into one because some of these places are scammers so they're telling you that this is the work 
um, is that this is what, because I'm doing something, because I'm spending time here, that means that I'm actually kind of shifting and changing and growing. But that is that is not how we shift and change and grow. It's not only by listening. Right. It's not, yeah, a part of it is absolutely by showing up and kind of exposing yourself to different um uh, different things, but th- it just it just feels like another means for people to kind of like spin their wheels mm-hmm. uh, and not move or kind of not develop in any way. Which again, you have a right to not move and not develop. You ain't gotta always be you know improving yourself. Uh, but we've gotten into this like hamster wheel of self improvement. Mm-hmm. So now I need to make seven figures and change my mindset and always have a goal and wake up at five o'clock every morning. Right. Like there's just so I gotta bad. meditate. I gotta drink my water with my lemon. I gotta be. <laughs> Rose, rose water. It can't just be any water. It has to be rose water. Um, and I have to have Manuka honey and like just all yes, these things. Yes. I gotta have my journal prompts. I gotta start my day for like ninety minutes of just this. And I'm just like, that is unrealistic. For it most is. People. It it's is unnecessary. Right. For most people. Right. right. But again, we get caught up in this stuff, and then it actually can. It just feels like it leaves people feeling even worse about themselves. Right. Because they've done all the stuff and they haven't seen the results, and not everything is fits out. Like when sometimes I'll hear mothers say. Oh, you know, I get up before the kids get up and that's when mm-hmm. I, you know, do my yoga and I'll do my journal writing. I get up when Ezra is in my face. <laughs> <laughs> then, and then it's well, time to get up. Right yeah. saying, hey. <laughs> I, know, I, know. I don't got time for that. I'm trying to sleep. That ain't for me. <laughs> Yes, and that is like being able to kind of tap into the reality of it all. He's gonna say like, you have to have a morning routine. All the the most successful people, like you are not on this world to make seven figures. Yes. Like if you choose, fine, but like that stuff comes at a serious cost. It does for people. It, it comes does. at a serious cost. It's not me telling people or women that you can't do it, but understand that it comes at a cost mm-hmm. like and to be given all these like things around again self-care and this and this and this you got to have this is the five things you need in your morning routine no no <laughs> um, so it, it just feels like like i said it kind of just creates this this hamster wheel like kind of this treadmill of i gotta listen to more i gotta listen to more i gotta listen to more mm. because i must be missing something mm. if i haven't been able to change these things if you have taught me about you know money mindset and my income has not increased like i must be doing something wrong versus no no that's the system yeah yeah that's the system that says that minimum wage is still 725 Mm -hmm. like you can't save you can't not go to starbucks for five years and you will still be in the same financial position Mm -hmm. it's not just about like you know where you you had 927 dollars this year but where'd you would you do it you kept getting sublime donuts like (laughs) wasting your stuff and that's your, your morning coffee run was that trip to bali that ain't that's not what we do in folks. Right. Like just to to shame people in that way, which is what I think happens in life. To shame people in that way doesn't hold this system accountable that says we're still paying people seven twenty five mm-hmm. to live. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like and that there are still entities that are fighting to not pay you more. We still have billionaires who have you working in sweatshops. Like that's the conversation we need to be having. Right. Not whether or not you went to Starbucks this morning. Right. Right. I agree. I, 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 so those clubhouses, and like I said, it's, it's I haven't haven't tapped into them. Seeing a lot more um, mental health people join those spaces, but I also see non-mental health people offer those rooms, saying that hey, mm. this is where we're going to talk about trauma. But there's not nan mental mm. health professional in there mm-hmm. like that's the other piece of like yes I'm, I'm glad that mental health people but I, it almost seems like there are more non-mental health clinicians in there holding rooms 
to explore and to have people re-traumatize themselves and talk about sexual assault. Oh, I don't like that. What are we, like why that. are we out here just talking about sexual assault with anybody who can jump on this app? No, I don't. Um, like and that. then on top of that, obviously in, on, on any platform, there's going to be some spaces that just feel really, um, really abusive to black women. So I, I think there's already been some oh, yeah. where people have felt like verbally assaulted or virtually assaulted. Right. In these rooms they, that are created to talk about the problems with black women. Right, so, right, right. Yeah. I mean, I will see what happens with the app, but as of right now, I'm fine with Instagram. <laughs> I'm overwhelmed enough by Instagram. And I know that for me, I don't have Twitter. I have Instagram and it kind of feeds over to my Facebook, but like I already don't get my work done. So like I need to be on Clubhouse, else. like listening to something for three hours. Like I'm, I right. already have a very, very hard time with distractibility. So we're good between Netflix and Hulu. And Disney Plus and <laughs> Instagram, excuse me, Instagram, I'm I'm really good. Right, it's enough. So my last question, um, and this kind of rooted from me and my husband going back and forth. So, you know, like throughout the pandemic, we've had some good things, good content that has come out. Yeah. And one of which has been the versus battles. And some of them has been like really great. And people got to reminisce and go back into their childhood of um, like, especially Monica versus Brandy and mm, all of those. Yeah. And so I was talking to my husband and I was saying, it's so interesting how I feel like Drake and Lauren Hill has a lot in common because when we think about a rapper and a singer, like I think of, I think of like the two of them. Um, oh, not that okay. I, not that I feel like Drake is a singer, but <laughs> I feel like, you know, he can switch it from R and B to rap yeah. and does very well at doing it in comparison to other males that are in the industry um, that can do it. Because I know that Chris Brown has come out with like a couple of songs where he may be rapping on it. And it's not the same like as a Drake, um, although Chris is better at a singer. Um, and there's a couple of more that may turn it on and turn it off. But Drake is kind of like the one that we know of within our generation that does that. And I was telling my husband that I feel like between the two of them, Lauren Hill is the best. When I think of someone who can rap lyrically and I think of someone who can sing vocally and I just feel like she's better. And he was like, no. And my husband is a diehard Drake fan. I'm about to say, why are you even going into this with him? Diehard Drake. OVO, festival, like every <laughs> album, Drake. And he was like, you only say that because Lauren's um, having albums about relationships. And I'm, I'm perfect, specifically referring to the miseducation of Lauren Hill. That's one of my favorites, a classic. I can listen to it straight through. And I said, well, Drake mainly talks about relationships. <laughs> like, he talks about, like, yeah. women making yeah. money, you know. Yeah. Drake, Drake is relationship. Yeah, he's a relationship. He's so. a very, you know, emotional, sensitive guy. That's that's kind of like what's in his lyrics. And um, and I feel like you know when we talk about the actual talent, I felt like Lauren would win.
since I left the city. You started from the bottom, now my whole team here. Started from the bottom, now we here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. Started from the bottom, now we here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team in. Started from the bottom, now we here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. I didn't keep it real from the jump. Living at my mama house, we'd argue every month. I was, I was trying to get it on my own. Working all night, traffic on the way home, and my uncle calling me like way. Um, but what do you think? <laughs> so I actually they 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 feel like comparing apples and oranges. When, when mm. you said it, I was just like, what? How? What? Mm. So when you had just mentioned the their um their the kind of the the lyrical like versatility, right? Yeah. Singing and rapping. I can I can I can see that. Like I was like, oh okay, that's what she meant by that. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, what I have a hard what the the reasons that I feel like they they don't feel as um, comparable to me is <clears throat> so what I will say is that that the value I place on Lauren Hill Lauren Hill music was about what she was saying what she was singing about and when it came out for me in my life mm. uh, and what it meant in terms of like that was my first kind of thing coming across like miseducation like oh like yeah that, 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 that. so it kind of opened up um, a lot of things kind of culturally for me so I can also honor that I don't think Drake has done anything culturally no for me although so that's why <laughs> so though they will always be on a different playing field her being a black woman also will be on a different playing field the reason I would choose Drake as a quote, oh interesting <laughs> <laughs> because I'm looking at also I'm looking at all around and I'm also looking at sustainability Ooh, Laura, we don't have much from Lauren Hill. We don't. When people think about Lauren Hill, they think about a Fuji's album or two. Yeah. And they think about Miseducation of Lauren Hill. And they might t they might mention Unplugged. Right, 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 right. But that's what Lauren Hill still has to sing if she performs. Now, we do not have like this full catalog that great that Drake has that I could I I can't deny right or kind of um, take away any respect for him in terms of sustainability mm -hmm. i don't think he's super super versatile but sustainability will probably win out in terms of me choosing drake as a better overall artist um not only in terms of lyricism and versatility but just the the business and the art in of itself mm. i can't compare them mm. like lauren like when i think about lauren hill i think about her from my childhood right 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 I don't think about her as an artist in the Drake is not in my life now, but like I don't think about her as <laughs> as as a a someone of like this. But for me, she doesn't still exist for me. Right, because she, she doesn't have it like in now. My childhood and she right. was great and she's really important for that. Jill Scott has persisted in some way. Like other people have kind of come forward in some ways, but even so, like Keisha Cole is back there for me. Ashanti's back there. Like right, they're all back right. there for me. Whereas. Drake has stayed, again, he wasn't part of my childhood, but he has stayed the course Over and has time. continued to actually even get better at his stuff. I haven't seen that kind of um, either deepening or progression for Lauren Hill. Okay, so here, here's my thoughts. I agree with that. I feel like when Miss Education of Lauren Hill came out, I understood each song at a very surface level. Hmm. But it wasn't until I listened to it after I had Ezra where the words resonated mm -hmm. with me. And mm -hmm. especially Zion. Zion girl, I was listening to Zion driving to the office. This mm -hmm. was when Ezra was like one. 
bawling yep. <laughs> in the Don't car. Don't <laughs> just like bawling. And even just her talking about the relationships and the breakup. And when we think about her as, as an artist or as a person, I feel like the miseducation was just an introduction to her talent. I felt mm-hmm. like Fuji's, you know, was just like us, like an appetizer. And then she came out with miseducation mm-hmm. because, like, even like her vocal range, I don't feel like we saw like the yeah. the the gut of it all. But yep. of course, with life, mental health, yep, uh, finances, the industry, yep. all of that just halted for her. Yep. And and I felt like, unfortunately, you know, we didn't. She don't even have like the rights to her right to yep. her music. <laughs> And put that in a cultural scope, right? Her being a dark-skinned black woman mm-hmm. singing about things like that, and him being a light-skinned, yeah, right, younger black male. Like, there's a there's a reason why the sustainability, I think, could also would also look very different, right? right. She was having children right as she was kind of building her career. She was like 21, 22 when the Miseducation of Lauryn Hill came out. I can't mm-hmm. imagine becoming mm-hmm. a millionaire. How many Grammys did she win off that album? Like six? Yep. <laughs> of course you got money problems because you ain't know what you was doing. Like it's a it's And a, you a mama? And you a mama? And then you didn't know who the baby daddy was? But but I think that those things that <laughs> got in the way of that sustainability is right. why it's, it's hard for me to put them in a same frame to compare them as artists they're so different and again her work is much more meaningful right right because of who she is um and because of what she like no, nothing about what drake says changes anything <laughs> like, it's a bop. like it's a bop it's a i don't bop. listen to lauren hill's music for a bop right right right, right i, I right, listened right. to her to kind of that i was connecting with kind of other parts of myself or my friendships or thinking about women in my family and like stuff like that that was a totally and maybe not the first time but like that's that's a totally different experience for me where drake is a bop Mm. I like listening to Drake if I'm in the car or if I'm cleaning. But like Lauren Hill, when I just feel like, like man, I'm like I want to feel something. <laughs> I just wanna, that's when I would go to Lauren Hill because that's what you get. That's what you get from her music, from her acting. Which like all of that, it's a much different experience. That's why when you when you, I'd seen the, I was like, how? What? <laughs> What's coming about? Uh, and then, and again, I, I like the even. I would offer that Lauren Hill is more versatile in terms of um, uh, singing and rapping and all right. that stuff. And because she's a dark skinned black woman, um, she's had to do more to be able to to have the world view her in that way and to buy the album and all that kind of stuff. But um, <clears throat> Drake would never be an album where I said like, man, if I was gonna like take an album with me to an island. Ah, uh, a bop is important for an island, right? Right, it I is. A bop is important for On an a island, good, but yeah. like, <laughs> if I just really want to like get into myself and like get get into my spirit in a way, it's not him. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not him. He doesn't teach me anything about myself, about life. He doesn't teach me anything about relationships. Right. Like, and while he's talking about himself and kind of how he's navigating relationships, uh, not in the same way that she's able to. Right. Right. I agree. I think the only thing that Drake leaves me with with some of his songs like the first song that I heard from him that like hit me was successful with Trey songs and just like hearing his story of you know the work that he had to do and the drive that he had like it's a a motivational song Mm -hmm. and God's plan God's plan Mm -hmm. was like one that's like yes I just want to conquer the world like both of them are just like (laughs) motivational inspiring 
songs that like hit me in that regard and then uh, outside of that is about like a good dance a good like yeah. laugh or whatever and, yeah. and that's it and i love his story and his come up and all that stuff i was listening because my a lot of my family's in toronto so they were on him way before we mm. were down here so i was exposed to him earlier like him and trace on like all that stuff a lot of history that people don't know about him outside of being you know wheelchair jimmy whatever it is <laughs> but um i think even seeing that and again the the us being able to see him from then to now, again, we mm-hmm. have this whole different story, right. right, of him growing into manhood, and we just don't have. We've seen a lot of of Lauren Hill, so obviously the stories looked very different, um, and it was a different time. Um, so it's hard for me to connect them. Like I, I could, we, I could probably have a different conversation. Uh, it would be a different conversation if it was like think about her and Erica, or thinking about her mm. and the same, the same three to four artists you right. kind of put in the same kind of thing in terms of That's when they were singing right. and what they were singing about. Um, but I would, I would, I would pick Drake in terms of overall artist business acumen, like just moving in that way. I would pick Lauren Hill for depth. Mm. Right, and for something that kind of moved you, and for something that is—that's the part of her work that's sustainable to me. Not her career, yeah, but like her, her story, like in that way. Whereas Drake, I can leave, I can put down his story, but she's got a, she's a, that's a story of a black woman, right? Yeah, there. that's really that's that stuff. Yeah, that stuff would surpass Drake mm-hmm. by far. But if I had to like just choose, like, yo, who would you pull out? I'm a bop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if I was in that conversation with you when you were, <laughs> I'd be able to kind of hold both. I'd be, I'd just have to be in the middle of y'all. <laughs> I have to be in the middle of y'all. So I, I get both sides of it. Um, but yeah, then Lauren just, Lauren just means something different to us. Um, and she wasn't as accessible to black people. She wasn't as palatable. I mean, for white people, she wasn't as palatable to anyone who was non-black. Where again, where Drake is across, right? He's, he's universal, and I think that there's a there's pros and cons to you being universal. I know we're not gonna. I don't think we're gonna talk about the black IPs, whatever stuff. But um, he's in. He's he's able to be who he is as an artist now because he showed up as more universal. Right. He didn't show up as black as Lauren Hill. Right. Right. Did right. with her locks and with her dark lipstick. And, you know, with her. So, yeah. So I think all those things play a role. Right. Well, thank you for being on the show. (laughs) Y'all, we could talk for hours. I know. (laughs) And we didn't even get to half the topic. I know. I know. I was like, well, it's been an hour and a half now. (laughs) 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 Yes. This is what we do. Louisiana shit. Murder on the beat. Something for y'all to cut up to, you know? Yeah. Everybody get your motherfucking roll on. I know Shorty and she doesn't want no slow song. Had a man last year, life goes on. Haven't let the thing lose, girl, in so long. You been inside, know you like to lay low. I've been people what you bring to the table. Working hard, girl, everything paid for. First, last phone, bill, car, no cable. With your phone out, gotta hit them angles. With your phone out.